everybody, and welcome to the Eagle's Nest Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you soar in your faith, family, finances, friendships, and fitness. Get ready for today's message with Senior Pastor of Eagle's Nest Church, Lee Jenkins. Well, if you have been with us over the last couple of weeks, uh, you know that we're in a series called Rich Folks. What does it mean to be rich? Spiritually, financially, materially, relationally. I told you that when Jesus talks about rich people in the Bible, he's talking about us. Because Americans, and about 99% of you, if not all of you, are considered materially rich, especially when you compare what we have to the wealth in the world. Most of us are in the top 5 to 15% of the wealthiest people in the world. So when the Bible talks about rich people, because the Bible wasn't written just for Americans, Jesus didn't die on the cross just for Americans, The Bible says he loved the worlds, so God gave his only begotten son. So the Bible is for all of us throughout the world. Salvation is for everybody. Therefore, when we read the word, what it says about rich folks, we have to look at it from a biblical world view. So Jesus was talking to us. So two weeks ago, I talked about the rich fool, how this guy, this guy rather, who accumulated a lot of earthly material assets, he had great investments, and nothing is wrong with any of those things. In fact, he was not rebuked or corrected for any of those things. The problem with this man is he was rich in earthly goods but he was not rich toward heaven. In other words, his bank account on earth looked really good, but his bank account in heaven looked terrible. So he was considered a rich fool. And then last week, I talked about rich sinners, poor saints. Why do people who don't follow Jesus in general, why do people of the world typically handle their financial affairs, their business, and go about their way of life more aggressively than the saints of God. And so the same way Jesus said in this parable in Luke 16, the same way this shrewd steward took care of business when he got fired to make sure he was financially secure, we should take care of God's business the same way. That was the moral of the story. Well, this week we have another doozy for you, and I'm looking forward to getting in the Word today. But before we do that, let's pray. Lord, we love you, we thank you, we praise you, we magnify your name because you're worthy to be praised. So right now, Lord, we ask that you will speak to us through your Word today. Lord, we posture our hearts to hear from you. We posture our minds to receive from you. Lord, change us today. Challenge us today. Encourage us today. 
through your word. Give us understanding so that we won't just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. And amen. Let's give the Lord one more hand clap of praise, everybody. Lord, you're worthy to be praised. Well, today we're going to be hanging out in the Gospel of Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 26. I'm going to be going through uh, quite a few verses, going to be reading from the NIV translation. But let me be honest with you. Many, many years ago, as I began to study this passage as a young 20-something-year-old, this particular passage used to bother me greatly. God was after something in me through this passage in my early 20s. And then I would hear people preach on this passage, and some of them didn't really preach it the right way. In other words, they, 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 they were using this passage for, for selfish motives. And so this, this passage just bothered me. This story bothered me until I understood what Jesus was trying to say to us as Christians, what he was saying to the people listening to him at that time, but more specifically what he was saying to me. It changed my life. Around 25 years old, I grasped what God was saying to me through this passage, and it changed my life. This passage is so profound, you all, that you can find it in three out of the four Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So evidently, Jesus wanted us to know something, and the writers of the gospel felt like this should be repeated because three different gospel writers gave an account of this particular story. It is quite profound. So what I want to do is start off by reading three verses to you, and then we're going to talk about the entire story. Let's look at Luke chapter 18, verses 24, 25, and 26. We're just going to start right there, and then I'm going to go back and go through the entire story. And I am hoping that your life will be impacted the way mine was decades ago. Let's look at it. It says, Jesus looked at him going to tell you who this hymn was in a minute. He looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Then he goes on to say, indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich, us, to enter the kingdom of God of God. That used to bother me. But it didn't only bother me. It bothered the people who were hearing it when Jesus said it. How do I know that? Look at this next verse. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus, if it's hard for the rich to be saved, 
to go to heaven to embrace the kingdom of God, who then can be saved? Ladies and gentlemen, I want to speak to you today from the subject. It's hard out here for the rich. Look at your neighbor, eyeball to eyeball, okay? Come on, look at the neighbor to your left or right. Say, neighbor, it's hard out here for the rich. Okay, now I want you to say it another way. Say, neighbor, it's hard out here for the rich. (laughs) Okay, some of y'all remember that movie in 2005, Hustle and Flow. Come on, admit it. How many many of y'all remember that movie, Hustle and Flow, with Terrence Howard and Taraji Henson? Okay, I'm going to admit it. I know I'm a pastor. I'm not supposed to like that movie, but I loved it. Of course, the song was a little different. You know, he said, it's hard out there for a pimp, you know. But it it, it chronicles. Yeah. (laughs) I'm coming up with my own version. It's hard out there for a pastor. What do you know? (laughs) It chronicles the life, literally, of, of a pimp, how this guy was a rapper, and he, you know, wanted to be famous. He wanted people to hear this this song, and made the song, it, it, and it just shows all the drama that they went through. But we're going to be talking about why did Jesus say it's hard out there for the rich? <laughs> it's hard. Okay, let me say it another way. It's hard out there for us, y'all, especially when it comes to people like us embracing the kingdom of God. Okay, let me say it another way. It's hard out there for people like us to go to heaven. That's what Jesus was saying. Eagles Nest Church, most Americans or many, there is a difficulty for you when it comes to embracing the kingdom of God because you're rich. That's what he's saying. So let's explore this. Let's start with verse 18 and let's kind of go through the story. And then again, like I did last week, I only have one point, all right, at the end of the sermon. Verse 18, let's look at what it says. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So it describes this man who came to Jesus. One version said that this man, one of the gospel accounts said the man came to Jesus and fell to his knees and said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And it says he was a certain ruler. Some versions say that he was a religious leader. So the man asking the question was young. He was considered a Jewish religious leader who was probably the leader of a synagogue or a member of the Sanhedrin court. It was very unusual for a young man 
to be in such a prominent position. So he must have been extraordinarily sharp, and he must have had impeccable credentials. On top of that, as you will see later, not only was he sharp, not only did he have probably multiple degrees, but this guy was wealthy. He was rich. So he had it all, you all. He was young, he was smart, he was educated, he was influential, he was religious, and he was rich. In fact, this man is often referred to as the rich young ruler. If I had to put it in today's vernacular, I would say he was the rich young influencer. He had a bunch of followers on Instagram. He had a ton of followers on TikTok. Every time he posted something, there were thousands of comments. He had a thriving enterprise. Whatever he did, he probably made some money outside of his religious duties. Maybe he was well thought of in the church and then had a business on the side and it was taking off. This guy had it all. And he came to Jesus what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's a sincere question. In fact, he came to Jesus, and let me tell you, that's every pastor's dream, to have someone to come to you and they say, what must I do to be saved? That's like having a shine stand and somebody comes up to you and you shine shoes and they say, my shoes are muddy and dirty. What must I do to get them clean? Well, that shoe shine guy would say, you came to the right place. So Jesus, well, what, I can't think of a better person that this guy could have come to than Jesus to ask this incredibly important question, what must I do to be saved? But then look how Jesus responded, you all, in verse 19. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Now, very rarely were people called good back in the Old Testament days. Even rabbis, um, people who taught the word, weren't considered good. That was usually a word uh, reserved for God when you were talking about God. But I am surprised at how Jesus answered this man's question. He uh, responded to this man kind of in a flippant way. Like, why do you call me good? I think what Jesus was doing is he was discerning this man, and he knew that this was empty flattery. He was, Jesus's eyes were like an x-ray machine. And he was looking at this man's heart. You see, sometimes you can say stuff on the outside and it's just a facade because it doesn't represent what is going on on the inside. So he asked a sincere question. And then look at what Jesus said tells him in verses 20 
and 21. Jesus goes ahead and answers this man's question. He says, you know the commandments. By the way, he did. He was a religious leader. He had to memorize the Torah. So I'm sure he was well-versed. And Jesus just reiterates what this man was already doing. He says, you know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. So he's telling him, naming some of the the commandments that he knew that this guy would have known. And then look how the guy responds. Jesus, all these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. In other words, I grew up in the church. I grew up in Eagle's Nest. I was a little kid in Eagle Kids. Then I went to Rise, the teen ministry. And then I've been at Eagle's Nest. And then after that, I went to Morehouse College. And then after I graduated from Morehouse, I went to seminary. And I got my master's degree. And then not only that, Jesus, I didn't stop right there. I got my doctorate. And then not only did I get my doctorate, while I was doing all that, I went ahead and got my MBA, my master's in business administration. So I got two degrees. I got, a, I got a theology degree and I have a business degree. He says, so all the stuff you're telling me to do, Jesus, I've been doing that since I was a little kid. Since I was a little boy. I grew up in the church. So I'm sure by this time this man is feeling pretty proud that Jesus mentioned things that he was already doing and had been doing his entire life. Maybe he had his chest stuck out a little bit. Yeah, I'm on the right track. Well, let's look and see how Jesus responded in verse 22. When Jesus heard this, meaning when he heard the man respond, that I've been doing this my whole life, Jesus, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. What? 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 He gave him four commands. Sell. Somebody say sell. That means you needed, he, he said, all that stuff you got, those Teslas, th- that big house, uh, all those clothes, sell all of it. He didn't say some of it. He said, get rid of all of it. Then he said, give. Somebody say give. In other words, well, if I get rid of all of it, what am I going to do? He says, give it to the poor. And then he says, when you do that, I want you to come and follow me. Be one of my disciples. Be be in my core group. 
be a part of these people who are going to change the world. That's what he said. This is what used to bother me, you all, before I understood what Jesus was talking about. So here's the question. Is this call to sell, give, come, and follow Jesus a universal call for all Christians? Is everybody supposed to do that? If you have a nice house, nice cars, nice clothes, jewelry, are you supposed to feel guilty about what you have based on this passage? The answer is no. It is not a universal call to all Christians. Some of y'all are saying, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Woo! I thought Pastor Lee was going to say it is. But Jesus knew that money was the rich man's God, even though he grew up in church, even though he knew the Bible, even though he could quote the scripture, even though he maybe was an usher or he might have sang on the praise team and he was at every Bible study, he had all the credentials But guess what? His true God, who was really on the throne, was not Jesus. It was money. It was material possessions. It was his lifestyle. And it was all the prestige that goes with that. And it's the same way with some of us. Been in church our whole life, but is Jesus really on the throne of our life? We're going to see in a few minutes. So having evaluated the state of the man's heart, Jesus issued a specific command that was necessary and best for this specific man. A specific command. Well, first of all, this guy had a specific problem, so he issued a specific command for this specific person. Jesus does not call everyone to liquidate all of their assets and come and follow him. But that doesn't mean that Jesus won't call us to surrender some of the things we have that are dear to us. So here are some important questions we should ask ourselves regarding our material possessions. Look at these three questions. Is this thing necessary? Do I really, is it necessary that I have a 5,000 square foot home? Nothing is wrong with that. But it's a question that you should ask yourself. Because just because you have the money doesn't necessarily mean that you should do everything that you can afford. Can I say this, y'all? 
when you're broke and busted and disgusted, you don't have to pray about a lot of stuff because you know you can't afford it. But when God gives you resources, when God places riches and resources in your hands, then you have to make some decisions. And I would dare say that it is tougher to have money in many regards than not to have money. Because when you have money, you have choices. You have options. And options reveal what's really in your heart. Because you can't, what's in your heart can't be revealed when you're broke. Because you can't do it. Okay, so I was drafted by the New York Giants when I came out of college. Uh, I came out of the University of Tennessee. I was drafted by the pros, my lifelong dream. And what was amazing is we were in the locker room with the guys, and some of these guys, they were not the best-looking guys, you know, okay? They, they were big. They were kind of sloppy, you know, and they were from the country. Nothing is wrong with that, but, but you know, because I know a lot of y'all from the country, okay? They weren't very sophisticated. That's what I'm saying, okay? They were your typical jocks, all right? And, and then they, they married their high school or college sweetheart because they, when they signed the contract, they got some money, and everything was going really good in their life. And then that, these guys, some of them, all of a sudden started messing around on their wives because, <laughs> somebody said, because they had options. When they didn't have any money, they didn't have any options. Nobody wanted them. But now you are an NFL player. You're making hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, and you go to the party and the women see you and they come and, and they hit on you. And even though you're married and you've been with this woman for four, five years or since high school, the true nature of what was inside of them came out. So I remember we were in a Bible study, and one of my Christian brothers on the team, he said, man, money sure does change people. I said, no, it doesn't. Money only brings out your true character because now you have options. So this thing is important, y'all. So as God blesses you, one of the ways you know that you are mature is you ask yourself questions, do I really need this? Is it necessary? How about this next question? Does this thing really contribute to my purpose in being here on this earth? All right, how about this third one? Is this thing an asset to me as a soldier of Christ or is it a liability? Woo! You see, sometimes the debt we get in with these cars and these houses and, and, and all the stuff, sometimes, y'all, it is a literal liability, not only financially, but to our life, to our spiritual life, because it, it sucks the joy out of us. We have to think about it. We have to worry about it. We have to work extra hard to keep it. So nothing is wrong 
with enjoying life. We're going to talk about that a little bit next week. But you have to ask yourself some of these questions. Okay, back to the story. Jesus told the man to sell, give, come, and follow. How did the man respond? Let's look at verses 23 and 24. When he heard this, he became very sad. He was like, hey, yeah, Jesus, I did. What you talking about, Jesus? It says, why was he sad? Because he was very wealthy, not a little bit wealthy, not just getting by. He became sad because Jesus touched an area in his life that he had not surrendered to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's hard out here for the rich. How hard it is. So Jesus issued the specific diagnosis to the man, but then he says, but all y'all, this next statement is for. It's hard out there for the rich. Because this man is just an example of what all y'all have to deal with. He said, it's hard for the rich, not just this man. Yes, yeah, hard for him individually, but it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It is difficult, y'all, for rich people like us to enter the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you what the kingdom of God is in a few moments, a very simple definition. Jesus said this not because God doesn't love rich people, because there are rich people all throughout the Bible who did miraculous things. The problem is not that God doesn't love rich people, it's that a lot of rich people don't love God. And the reason a lot of rich people don't love God is because they have so many other things that they love more than God. Oh, they love God, but they just love their lifestyle, their money, their material possessions, their financial security more. So what does he mean when he says the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? Um, this is a current theme throughout Jesus's preaching. He talks about the kingdom of heaven um, I'm just going to boil this definition down to one simple, oversimplified definition. Look at this. The kingdom of heaven or God is God's way of doing things. Now, it could also mean heaven, literally. But when he talks about the kingdom, he's not just talking about going to heaven. He's talking about almost the same principle in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. So the kingdom life is lived here on earth if you are a follower of Jesus. And because you live the kingdom life on earth, you have eternal life. You live forever with God because you're saved. So he's saying that rich people, us, have a difficult time grasping, living for the kingdom of God here on earth, which affects their eternal, eternal destiny. Y'all with me on that? Then Jesus drops the bomb. Who is that gap band? He dropped the bomb on me. He's getting ready to drop the bomb on everybody. Not just this man. Look at what he says in verse 25. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus, you've already told us it's hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of God. Then you're going to go use an example, an illustration to break this thing down, and you're now, Jesus, making it seem like it is almost impossible. In fact, you are saying it's impossible. That's why they were so offended because these guys, they, they knew they were rich. They knew he was rich and, and a lot of the people who were following Jesus were rich. And he's like, Jesus, are you saying that I can't go to heaven? Powerful statement. So y'all, here are a few explanations for the camel and the eye of a needle metaphor. But first, let's talk about this statement that Jesus made. You all, Jesus liked to use in his sermons and teaching a lot of hyperbole. That means exaggeration. He would often exaggerate something to pinpoint or to underscore a spiritual principle. He wanted to make sure that you understood it. So he would use what we call in theological circles hyperbolic language, exaggerated language. For instance, you all remember the scripture where Jesus says, uh, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. It would be better that you lose your right hand than to... Um, than to be, you know, misled or something like that. I th matter of fact, I think I wrote that down. Yeah, he said it would be better you uh, to, to, to cut it off uh, than to stumble. So he was talking about people stumbling spiritually. Then he says, if your right eye offend you, pluck it out. It'll be better for you to have one eye than for you to stumble. Now, Jesus didn't mean that every time we were tempted, that you go, oh, my God, I did something wrong. I looked at this video. I looked at this magazine. I looked at this online. Uh-oh, I just sinned. I shouldn't be looking at that. Uh, honey, bring me a knife and a fork. And then you just take it. You start 
That's not what he's talking about. Or, or you did something and you cut your hand off. He was using hyperbolic language to show you that whatever you do with your hand and your eyes, you need to cut it off, not literally, but cut off that thing that is causing you to stumble. So he used the language, exaggerated language, to do that. So in this case, Jesus was emphasizing how challenging it can be for those who are attached to their wealth and material possessions to embrace the kingdom of God. So that's what he was saying. All right, so what does the eye of a needle refer to? Eye of a needle. Um, There are a couple of things, you all. Think about a sewing needle that you sew with, and it has a little bitty hole in it that you have to take the thread through. He is saying that one of the biggest animals in the kingdom, a camel, a rich person going to heaven, is so hard for them, it's like taking the biggest animal in the region and putting them through the eye of a needle. Okay, maybe you all don't understand camels. I was in Israel four or five years ago, and they were allowing people to touch the camels. By the way, y'all, camels are very friendly animals. Look at this right here. To the right, or to your left, is a camel. And then that's a picture of me getting kissed by a camel. Literally, those animals are so friendly. I was in Israel, and they are tall, you all. I mean, you have to look up at camels. They are so friendly. So he's saying that you take a camel, take the needle, take a camel, and if you could, that's how hard it is for rich people to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So people are like, and no hope for me. But then there is another cultural standpoint when it comes to the eye of a needle. Some scholars suggest that the eye of a needle might be referring to a small gate within the city walls of Jerusalem known as the needle's eye. The gate was narrow, so a loaded camel, in order to get through the gate... The camel, if they were loaded down with all this stuff, they couldn't get through the gate. So you would have to take the stuff off of the camel, take it off, and then the camel could squeeze through the gate without all the stuff he had. He first had to unload it. Then he would come through the gate, and then you could put it back on. But in order to get through the gate, you had to unload that camel. So what Jesus is saying, there are two two metaphors here. The camel through the eye of a needle is impossible. Or he may be saying that if you want to get to the kingdom of God, rich people, you're going to have to be willing to unload some stuff. Now, the camel still picked it up on the other side of the gate. But there had to come a time where you had to unload in order to get through the gate. 
Either interpretation, you all, represents the fact that there are significant spiritual challenges for those of us who are rich. That brings me to this last verse, verse 26. This is how they responded. Those who heard this ask, who then can be saved? Because most of them were like most of us. And they were like, I'm rich. So it, 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 their minds were blown. So here's my last and only point. Here's the one point that you need to learn. And there are many lessons from this sermon. But here's the main one. Look at this. God has not called all of us to give up everything we have. Going to explain that in a minute. But he has called all of us to give over everything we have. Okay, I'm going to read it again. I'm going to add a little word. God has not called all of us to give up, relinquish everything we have. But he has called all of us to give over transfer everything we have. What's the difference between relinquishing it and transferring it? Relinquish means you do what the rich young ruler did. You sell it. Give it away. But he's not saying that you have to do that. He may ask you to do that with certain things, but he is asking all of us to transfer it. To give it over. To give it over to who? Give what you have to God. Well, how do you do that? By saying, Lord, this nice house I have, thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for blessing me with this great career and this great job so I could afford this great house and live in it and enjoy it. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings. But Lord, I want to use this house for you. I want to use this material asset for your glory not just for me. Lord, you blessed me with this, but now I want to be a blessing to somebody else. Lord, I thank you for this car. I thank you that I can drive my dream car, but Lord, this is not just for me. Help me to use this car for your glory. So I transfer it to you. Yeah, I still, I'm the steward of it. I'm the manager of it, but Lord, it belongs to you, and I have to use this car how you want me to use it. Lord, I thank you for the influence I have. But Lord, help me to use it for your glory. That's transferring it. And God knows whether or not we have transferred what we have. I want to close with this, you all. I was in Israel. And I want you to look at this picture. That's me standing in the Dead Sea in Israel. This is a picture of the Dead Sea. Let me tell you about the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea, nothing can live in the Dead Sea. That's why they call it the Dead Sea. There's no fish, there's no life. The Jordan River pours into the Dead Sea. 
But the reason the Dead Sea is dead is because it's all salt water. The salt content is very high and fish can't live in the Dead Sea. Furthermore, there are no outlets from the Dead Sea. So what comes into the Dead Sea from the Jordan River stays there. And nothing can live there because there are no outlets. The rich young ruler was like the Dead Sea. He had a whole lot coming in, but he had very little outlets, nothing going out, and his spiritual life became dead. He was a cul-de-sac instead of a conduit. So what I'm asking you all today is not to be a cul-de-sac, but to be a conduit of God's blessings. Come on, let's give God praise. Amen. I want the praise team to come out. I would like for everyone to stand, and we're just going to sing one verse, and I am hoping that this verse is what you are committing to do with the things that God has given you. Amen. Come on, let's sing it together. give you an opportunity to do that let's bow our heads father in heaven we are so blessed by what you did for us on the cross on calvary shedding your blood for our sins and you said if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that jesus is lord then we will be saved so with all heads bowed all eyes closed if you're out there right now you're saying pastor lee i want to give my heart to Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to come down, but I want you to make a bold declaration by raising your hand. If you're online, you can just put it in the chat and we're going to have someone to follow up with you. If you're out there right now, just right where you are, just raise your hand. Just put it up and you can put it back down. We just want to see who you are. Anybody want to say, I surrender my life to Jesus? Anybody? Anybody? Hallelujah. You can also text LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 37746. Again, L-I-F-E to 37746. Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you for this time. You're not asking us to give up everything, but you're asking us to give over 
everything. Give it over and put it under your Lordship to be used for your glory and for our enjoyment, but first and foremost, for your glory. We thank you for speaking to us today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord praise, everybody. Welcome back. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Pastor Lee or Eagles Nest Church, visit our website at eaglesnestchurch.org. That's all one word, eaglesnestchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay connected with us throughout the week. If you're ever in the Atlanta area, we would love for you to come and worship with us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Until next time, Eagles.